Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for January the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And we are convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. Welcome indeed to Liberty Roundtable Live. Two hours of hard-hitting talk. Always on your radio six days a week, Monday through Saturday. On the Sabbath, we rest as the good Lord commands us to do. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. Syndicated by Loving Liberty Radio Networks, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Download the app, iPhone and Android, on the web, live and on demand, and more. LibertyRoundtable.com, my website, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Articles I find of interest and a whole lot more at LibertyRoundtable.com. A quick recap. Yesterday's show is in order. We had our guest on, Mr. Richard Mack, CSPOA.org, with me. He was two hours on the broadcast riding shotgun, and we discussed all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, Richard Mack and I are going to Minnesota. We're going to broadcast live uh, from a, a restaurant called Gardens Havens Restaurant. Government's trying to shut her down. Larvita, the owner, says no. Not going to shut down. The battle's on. Uh, anyway, we go to Minnesota today. Going to broadcast live from Minnesota tomorrow. And I'm going to help her out and say hi and publicly speak and talk to the sheriff and do all we can to allow her to continue to make a living. Then next month, February 26th and 27th, Friday and Saturday, uh, Houston, Texas, we're going to be uh, at a Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association Conference. Um, the County Sheriff, America's Last Hope is what it's called. Richard Mack will uh, give his complete two-and-a-half-hour presentation, PowerPoint, sound bites from movies, education of the history of Richard Mack and how he beat Bill Clinton at the Supreme Court and uh, really the reality that has come from that modern states' rights case and a whole lot more. Q&A after for the public. Cost 99 bucks to attend if you're a member of the CSPOA. If you're not, it's 150 bucks. so I highly recommend you become a member today. I'm a lifetime member of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association and highly recommend you become one as well. CSPOA.org. And keep an eye out because the link will be up soon pointing to where you can sign up to participate in this incredible Houston, Texas event coming up February the 26th and 27th in the year of our Lord, 2021. So that's going on. Now, we got a whole lot more happening. Anyway, I had Richard Mack with me for two hours yesterday, and we talked about Senator Rand Paul doing a phenomenal job, makes a motion that the impeachment trial is unconstitutional. And Republicans voted overwhelmingly against moving forward. But you know what? They still lost because there's not enough Republicans, right? And then you got a few betrayers in the Republican Party. And therefore, they're still going to move ahead with the impeachment, supposedly to start the trial um, February the 8th. Nevertheless, it was 55 to 45. All right. There were five Republicans 
that sided with the Democrats. Shame on them. You're not surprised who they are, though. Mitt Romney, sad tale to tell from the state of Utah. Lisa Murkowski, Ben Sass, Pat Toomey, Susan Collins. Shame on all those folks. I'll tell you what. We also talked about the House voted 232 to 197 on January the 13th to impeach President Trump then. Charging him with a single article of incitement of an insurrection. The problem is it's going nowhere, folks. The tons of people they thought they were going to arrest are not arresting near as many people because they're finding out that, you know what, there was only a few bad eggs, bad apples in the barrel that were literally belligerent and out of control. And, yes, they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, But let's be honest here. Just because we side with President Trump, just because we're convinced there was election fraud, uh, just because we wanted to peacefully go to the Capitol and let our congressmen uh, and senators understand that we expect them to investigate and get to the bottom of it and have a full, true, accountable, third-party, transparent audit, that doesn't mean that would go violent. That's a lie. That's a manipulation from those who would destroy America. And it proves Donald Trump's point, which he should have doubled down on instead of cowering and going to Florida. He should have doubled down and said, I told you there was bad guys on the left and on the right. And now we're here to double down and prove it. That would be easily done, ladies and gentlemen, if we really tried. But Americans are melting down somehow. If you're associated with Trump now, you're an evil terrorist and you got to be stopped. And you're lying and you're dishonest and you're fake news and you need to be deplatformed and everything else. This is a belligerent power grab from the extremes in our society. We ought not let it happen. Uh, And sadly, people aren't smart enough to draw the line between action and recommendation. Donald Trump recommended people go peacefully to the Capitol uh, and let their congressmen and senators know how they feel. He didn't say breach the Capitol. He didn't say commit violence. He didn't say kill cops. He didn't say any of those kind of things. So they're lying. And we accept that lie, sadly. The mainstream press having their way with us. We need to stop that. We need to stand up in the media. We need people to fund what we do to tell the tale of liberty and truth and honor and integrity and morality. And, well, I could keep going on, but I won't. I'll just go to the next story. How's that? Mark Meadows in the news. President Donald Trump's impeachment will be unsuccessful based on the latest vote forced by Rand Paul in the Senate. If today's Senate vote is any sign, the impeachment vote will fail. It will be dead on arrival, dead on arrival, tweets Mark Meadows. Good for Rand Paul and the 45 GOP folks that stood up. Mark Meadows is right, spot on on this. Richard Mack, believe it or not, says Donald Trump should move to Utah and run against Mitt Romney. Boy, is that a good idea. Man, could you imagine if Donald Trump said, man, I'm leaving the state of Florida. They're too liberal over here. Got to leave. But I'm going to roll to the state of Utah, and I'm going to become a carpetbagger just like Mitt Romney. And I'm going to vote against and run against Mitt Romney because I want to be in the Senate. And, uh, you know, I I think that I ought to be a senator, and I think that I ought to, um, you know, give Romney a run for his money. And, uh, you know, how would he do in the state of Utah? I don't know. But it's an incredibly good idea. So, Sheriff, thanks for the great idea. Richard Mack is asking Donald Trump publicly, openly, move to Utah and run against Mitt Romney. Boy, howdy, would that be a political interesting twist? Would it not? <laughs> Might be the best chance uh, Trump has to get elected as well and at least start to bring out all the dishonesty led by the extreme Democratic wing of the Republican Party. Arizona Sheriff Martin Daniels doing a great job. 
He said Biden's plan to end construction of the border wall is pure political theater and will indeed compound security concerns along our southwest border. Shame on Biden. Every American should be standing up on this, uh, Sheriff Daniel told Fox and Friends. This executive order, it's troublesome. It's a problem. It's dangerous. It's hasty. We worked so well over the years, and we need a secure border. It's just common sense, the good sheriff says. He's right. Texas sued the Department of Homeland Security, and good for Texas for doing so, after the agency issued a memo holding a halt, ordering a halt, uh, ordering immigration agencies to stop most deportations, and Texas is suing and saying, you know what, you can't do that. Well, Texas... Uh, Got a temporary win against whacked out Joe. YouTube announced that it has suspended Rudy Giuliani from the video platform's advertising revenue sharing program, claiming that he's engaging in false news, fake news. Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, I guess he had his Twitter account suspended on Monday evening. They won't even, I guess, say why. It's going to be the same thing, though, peddling fake news, not accepting the election. I don't accept the fraudulent election either. You say, well, Sam, court case after court case ruled against everybody who thought there was vote fraud. Lies. Don't lie to me. Stop that. Okay? It makes me want to just slap people around when they lie like that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not violent. I would never slap anybody around. I'm just making a point, right? And the point is this. All these court cases threw the issue out on, well, you don't have standing. That's a lie. Every American has standing, okay, about vote fraud that can literally... Um, Shanghai, the presidency of the United States, okay? So that's a lie. But they always throw it out on either standing or technicality. None of these court cases have literally looked at the merit of the ca- merits of the case. None of these court cases have allowed people to present the evidence that we absolutely have via thousands of affidavits and other means. None of us have been allowed to subpoena evidence into this Dominion voting thugocracy, okay? Now Dominion's suing everybody and their dog, but you know what? We don't believe there's any justice in the courts is the problem. And you say, wow, Sam, that's not a lot of confidence in government. I know. But when you have the FBI lying about Ammon Bundy, and literally those guys could have got life or more, and the only thing that, you know what, stopped the FBI from their lies and their perjury and their dishonest withholding of exculpatory evidence and everything else is a whistleblower. Thank heavens for the whistleblower. Oh, those are the guys that nobody pardoned, huh? Yeah, the whistleblowers. See, we need more of those folks to tell the truth and stop government from their dishonest, immoral activity. Anyway, former Donald Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway, I guess, had a photo of her nude daughter on Twitter. Uh, but I don't know that I believe it. I don't know if she did it or not. Maybe it was to get her daughter a modeling job, but I doubt it. I think she's probably been hacked, like she says. I don't know the truth on that, but man, just weird stuff. The timing is what makes me really wonder about this, though. You know what? Right when Donald, everybody around Donald Trump is just getting beat up. Scandal, meltdown, arrested. Everything's going on. It, the, the Democrats are pulling out all stops. Joe Biden, by the way, took the unprecedented step of firing National Relation, National Labor Relations Board member, or I guess he's the general counsel, Peter Robb, after he refused to resign. Well, he should refuse to resign. Shame on Joe. Quick pause. Liberty Roundtable Live. If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly 
declare themselves to be. They would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Sam Bushman, live and hard-hitting talk on your radio. Welcome to the broadcast. Biden rescinds Trump's Muslim ban. That's scary as all get out. The border leaks like a sieve under Joe. A Gallup poll released on Tuesday found that just 11% of Americans are very or somewhat satisfied with the way things are going in America, while 66% are very dissatisfied. The rate of satisfaction is the lowest it's been since 2011. I guess in 2008 it was as low as 7%, so it's better than that. But people are certainly concerned about the direction of our country, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. And you kind of wonder why, right? Well, when Kamala Harris, you know, Willie, is she vice president? She will reside at number one observatory circle, located about two miles from the White House. Now, here's the interesting thing. So the government provides her a house on a 72-acre plot of land that's 9,000 square feet of land, or square feet of house. So 72 acres, 9,000 square foot home. And the rest of us are going, by golly, we can't even run our restaurants. California restaurant owner says she holds Governor Newsom responsible because of her business is struggling. Angela Marsden's her name, but a bunch of business owners are suing Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Others are trying to recall the governor for his belligerent violation of their rights. And last but not least from yesterday's broadcast, Georgia Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene filed articles of impeachment against Biden just two days after he, well, I don't know, is it legitimate that he took office, ladies and gentlemen? You don't dare say you think it's legit or illegitimate now, do you? They might just deplatform you and shut you down and arrest you for even thinking that it's not legitimate now. 
So much for your thoughts. So much for your free speech. You live in America, baby. All right, Brian Rust, RustQuinnandGift.com. Welcome back, my brother. Thank you. Glad to be with you. All right, what do you think, Brian, about this idea that, you know what, you're not even allowed now to think that the election was stolen? That's right. Well, I, I it just goes along with kind of everything that's been going on. So... <laughs> Well, it kind of makes you wonder, though, what what can they do next? How hard can they go? Yeah, well, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna push uh, buttons and just see where they can, you know, take us. They're they're gonna, you know, uh, enforce their will upon us, regardless of what the, or, you know, our constitution is. It may, maybe it's you know, next is you know, remove guns and and uh, you know, there's just a, a whole big agenda. I mean, we're that, that's being thrown at us, so. Uh, yeah, you know, hold on and keep your arms in on the ride, right? Yeah, man, you don't just need a seatbelt now, buddy. You need a harness for this sucker. That's right. I'm telling you right now, it's going to get crazy. All right, now, there's, this is interesting. I want to pick your brain on this. Richard Mack was on the radio with me yesterday. And Sheriff Richard Mack came up with the idea. He said Donald Trump should move to Utah and run against Mitt Romney. Donald could be your next senator, uh, Brian. What do you think of that idea? Hey, there you go. Let's Let's uh... – Let's do it. I mean, think about it. There's been no more angst than between Romney and Trump. Two businessmen, uh, both carpetbaggers, because they both come to Utah. Neither of them are from here. Uh, you know what? Uh, and I think after one term, Romney's done enough damage to Utah and to the nation. And, uh, you know, what What political fireworks could be created out of that, no matter who won, huh? Yeah, that's right. That, that could be fun to fun to watch. It I might make Romney. your gold and silver spike, huh? <laughs> that's right. Well, I think I think our president that's in the office is going to do that. Amen to that. All right. Speaking of honest money, tell me where are we at on gold. Uh, gold sitting in eighteen forty two sixty. Eighteen. No, oh wait, that was last week. Sorry, eighteen fifty eight ten. Eighteen fifty eight ten. All right. One eight five eight eighteen fifty eight ten. Got it. Right. Okay. Yep. Silver's twenty six ten. Twenty six ten, so that's up a bit. Up a little from last week. Yep. Twenty six ten for silver. You're still seeing eight eighteen fifty eight ten for gold. Correct. And twenty six ten. Interesting. They're both tens, huh? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of throws a little <laughs> and give or take a few cents here and there. But yeah, it, you know, up a little bit. But we're still seeing the peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys, despite the demand. I mean, the demand's just out. I mean, it's. There again, we go back to a few years back where the demand was huge and and uh, silver was pushing, you know, towards fifty and so on and and uh, and yet you know the the depressed metal basically in silver really I mean gold's down I guess from the highs of two thousand or whatever but uh, uh, yeah I mean our ratio is only seventy probably seventy three four or something like that to one but still it's it's. Which is a little better than it's been for quite a while, but it really should be like fifteen twenty to one, right? Yeah, probably. You know, I, I could see maybe thirty five or something more like like that, but but silver should be sitting. I'm saying back in the day, it was a twenty dollar gold piece and a one dollar silver piece, right? Yeah. So that was twenty to one back then. You know, then they Correct. locked the price of gold at thirty five dollars an ounce back in the day too. So I mean, it's hard to see where all these metals go when there's such future manipulations and nobody's taking possessions of their metals. It's very hard to really get a handle on where things ought to really shake out. But historical reality before the manipulating provides a pretty good guide, right? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And and uh, just uh, that manipulation. These big banks still continue to push their their agenda. But we, you know, why would they? 
why would they be buying the physical? I mean, they're making billions of dollars on the paper, but they want the physical. You know, they, obviously, obviously, it's supposed to support maybe that paper, but there's there's just no way that's going to happen. So, all right, we got to hear the palladium and all that kind of stuff for Kurt. Got to do the rhodium, man. Come on. <laughs> well, your rhodium's down a little. It's eighteen thousand five. Ah, so poor uh, Kurt's losing cash, man. Yeah, lost a little on that. Have to pour a little more honey into the in the coffers there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> localhoneyman.com if you want to learn more that's localhoneyman.com or simply call Kurt at 801-669-2211 that's 801-669-2211 or Kurt C-U-R-T at libertyroundtable.com gets that done as well now I find this fascinating um, Donald Trump got rid of the Muslim or, I'm sorry Joe Biden got rid of Donald Trump's Muslim ban did you hear that? I did and now there's a Homeland Security release Homeland Security warns of violent extremists in the U.S. Is there a correlation, sir? Probably. I mean, think about I mean, that. We're going to lift yeah. the Muslim man, and then we're going to go, hey, man, there's violent extremists in the U.S. now. It's like, okay. Oh, oh man, I don't think that uh make gold and silver spike, will it? <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> you look yeah, at the, absolutely. You go, wow. Yeah, that's right. I mean, all these little things that are, you know, he's pulling off the table that Trump did. And then he, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, just pathetic. I mean, it no, makes no sense. And, and, but they, you know, that's the problem. Right's wrong, wrong's right. It's, it's, uh, yeah, going to be very interesting. All right. Will it make you super uncomfortable if I tell you that Joe Biden's a criminal? Uh, no. It won't make you uncomfortable? No. All right. I believe that Joe Biden is a reported absolute criminal. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Are you ready? Yeah. This is Town Hall News created by Salem Radio, one of the biggest radio groups in America. They have their own news service. And here is their report. Let's talk about it in a second. Listen to this. The nation's chief executive continues to legislate by signing a... Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. (laughs) Say that again? Yeah, you heard me. Here it is again. The nation's chief executive continues to legislate by signing a succession of executive orders covering a wide range of issues. Today, President Biden turns his attention to health care, signing orders that will, among other things, expand Obamacare. Previous orders addressed what Mr. Biden calls a climate crisis, halting new oil and gas leases on federal property, and promoting an all-electric fleet of government vehicles. So they're blatantly saying that, you know what, the president who's in the executive branch of our government. Now, there's checks and balances, don't you know, Brian? Anyway, uh, but he, he led, he's legislating today, my friend. <laughs> the mainstream news is telling you Joe Biden is legislating. And in my opinion, with the checks and balances, he doesn't, he doesn't have any authority to do that. He should yeah. absolutely be arrested and thrown in the clink right now. <laughs> and if, yeah. we, if we say that's not true, then what else can he legislate? And then well, if we take this to the to the reality, um, do we even need Congress? Then might as well just send those critters home. They cost a lot of money, sir. Just send those home. Have a king. Have a legislative dictatorship going on. I mean, isn't that where we're headed? If we don't put that in check, what will ten presidents down the road for your grandchildren be doing, Brian? If we allow that, they're blatantly saying the chief executive is legislating. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, you know, I think that that's that's their agenda. Their agenda is that it doesn't matter what they do; it's right. I mean, they they and they and basically that they have the power to do that. I mean, we've tried to to as a people try to 
say, okay, we don't like where this is going. We don't think this is is uh, right. We don't think it, it has any kind of constitutional, um, you know, backing, and, I, and, and, and you're doing wrong, but they don't care. They, they could care less. They don't care about the Constitution. They want to wipe some of it. I mean, they just want to their, – their power is all power, and our, our government plan where we were brought up is gone. I'm telling you right now, when they blatantly say the president of the United States, the chief executive, is legislating today, I go, wait a minute, we've crossed another serious threat line, in my opinion. Hey, you ever heard of the doomsday clock, Brian? Yeah. All right, well, I got an update for you on that coming up. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Russ, Sam Bushman, RussQuinnegift.com. Stay there, baby. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. President Biden had long promised to become the climate president, and on Wednesday he detailed far-ranging plans to shift the U.S. away from fossil fuels with the promise of creating millions of jobs in renewable energy. In his record number of executive actions, tens of thousands of union jobs will be lost. Republican Attorney General from six states wrote to the new president, warning him not to overstep his authority. GOP lawmakers attacked his executive orders as job killers. The Chicago Teachers Union told its members on Wednesday to remain at home and vowed further job actions if district moves to discipline them. The district ordered 10,000 teachers back to work on Wednesday despite a vote by 71% of union members to keep teaching remotely. Chicago Public Schools is the nation's third largest school district. Oscar and Emmy winner Cloris Leachman, best remembered for her delightful neurotic Phyllis Lindstrom on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, died of natural causes on Tuesday in Encinitas, California. She was 94. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Killing American jobs in the name of climate change. Is it worth it? USA Radio News Tim Berg reports. President Biden has signed a record 37 executive actions in his first week in office. And the exact number of executive orders is not known because the Federal Register has not been updated since January 21st. Biden issuing more edicts in his first week than any of his predecessors. Neil Crabtree lost his job due to the Keystone XL executive order. He reminds everyone. This this is an American job issue. I don't care if you if you're union or non-union. Uh, this administration is uh, attacking our industry altogether. This new administration is it's after the industry as a whole. Not just it doesn't matter if you're union or non-union tonight. I'm I'm looking at all Americans. I'm I'm, I'm trying to stand up for American workers. Uh, this is a fight that we need to be in together. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. USA Radio News. 
All right, I'm openly calling Joe Biden a criminal, ladies and gentlemen. Homeland Security warns of violent extremists in the United States. Now Joe Biden is a legislator. Maybe Joe Biden is one of the violent extremists in the USA that are trying to take over the country there, Brian. Could be. Could be that. that could I'm be just saying, you, you can't just be legislating if you're in the executive branch, man. For 200-plus <laughs> years, that's been a no-no. Right? Anyway, Trump needs to move to Utah and run against Romney. All right, so here is the wake-up call. Doesn't move doomsday clock. (laughs) The world, Brian, just so you know, is still 100 seconds away to midnight, buddy. After a punishing 2020, they say. They say marred by mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic and continued fears over nuclear risks, not to mention climate change. That's according to the annual doomsday clock. The announcement uh, was on Wednesday. They say this is the same time it was last year, buddy. The clock remains closer to destruction now than at any time since its inception in 1947, buddy. Anyway, they go on and on and on about this clock. USA Today, they say World War, or the World War ended three decades ago. What? Oh, the Cold War ended three decades ago. Okay, I get it. Nuclear risks remain a grave threat to humanity. And there's still more than 13,000 nuclear weapons in the world. And uh, anyway, the bottom line is you got atmospheric problems, you got fossil fuels, you got global warming. You got all this stuff happening, buddy, and I'm telling you right now, the wake-up call does not move doomsday clock. It's still 100 seconds to midnight, buddy. <laughs> Do you want to respond to this? Well, I don't know what to say, really. I mean, there's all, uh, yeah, there's all those things on the table. That's exactly right. We're pulled and pushed uh, all over the place. But, uh, yeah, you know. Peace of mind comes with preparation, and I think that uh, all we can do is do our best to prepare and, and, and fight the wrongs and, like you're doing and, and uh, continue to forge ahead, and hopefully we can, we can burst our bubble and keep going where we need to be. Now, let me tell you the problem that I'm having with this whole thing. The doomsday clocks are used to not really be political. What I mean is they were trying to assess the threats. Uh, based on war, based on our negotiations with other countries, et cetera, et cetera. Now they've doubled down and they've said, because Donald mishandled Coco and because the global warming is such a problem because Brian burps, then you know what? (laughs) That's right. Hey, man, we got, we're going to, it's now going to be right on midnight. We're on the cusp of just societal, absolute, complete annihilation kind of an idea. Doomsday. These people have turned into political extremists, sir. They're crazy. Yeah. It's not true at all. Now, I get that there's a little bit of turmoil, and I get that it's kind of rocky, and I agree you got to get your harness on rather than your seatbelt because it's kind of gnarly, and I understand all that. But this suggestion that because of global warming now, we're at, you know closer to destruction of the whole human race and doomsday more than at any other time in our history, they're off their rocker, man. They're crazy. And they've taken an extreme political uh, to push a, an agenda of global warming, of climate change, sir. Yeah, well, it's... They do want to drive fear, isn't it? Isn't it driving fear into the people so they rely on them to take care of them? I mean, I, the, I mean, the younger uh, generations—they've not—they've not had any kind of real pressure in their lives. I mean, they've been blessed in most cases. They've been really blessed. They've not had any real 
trouble. But now when they push this agenda and they push that fear into those people, they, oh, our government will take care of us. They'll help us. Look, they're giving us the money, the stimulus, the, I mean, and all that's going on. And, and they buy into that, that agenda that, that they're speaking as is truth, which, which a lot is lies. Um, yeah, I think that's that part of that agenda is to, to, to cause that fear so that we rely on them. Let me give you an example. We're in the middle of the Utah legislative session, as you know. <clears throat> and that's 45 days, in my opinion, of terror every year, just pure terror. All right. But nevertheless, there's a Utah legislator who wants to seek to impeach Attorney General Reyes for involvement in the election fraud petition. Yeah. Senator, um, what do you think of this? I think it's wrong. I think he did. Or he, I think he did the right thing by stepping up, and, and we have a right to know. We we have a right to know what's wrong, right? The the things that are going on. So I, I, I mean, think that's wrong. I don't even get there. it though. In America, what if the uh, attorney general has more intel on this than um, this congressman or whatever this legislator? Right. And uh, it's justified. See, we're not even able to get to the courts and kind of confirm that or anything else. Reyes isn't even getting a fair shake. Now, I'm not really a fan of Reyes, but I am a fan of the point he has every right, if he believes there's a concern there, to investigate that concern. Right. Doesn't he or do well, we not have that anymore? Well, we don't, we're not, we don't have that. We don't have an opportunity to speak out because they, they just shut it down. I mean, uh, I think there was a, a group of people, well, our... our uh, elected officials that wanted to say, hey, we need to go through the process. But see, they've eliminated the process when it affects their agenda. And that's that's some of the problems we're seeing as a as a people. What do you think we can do about this, Brian? I mean, at some point, they just want to say, well, you're getting radical. You guys are going to get go extreme and everything. I don't want to go extreme. I don't want to go radical. I don't want violence, but I do want accountability. How can I approach accountability and demand uh, transparency and all these kind of things? but yet not have them say that I've gone rogue or gone crazy or gone domestic threat or gone terrorist or whatever word they want to use today, right? Well, it's yeah, that's, a, that's right, and I think it's going to get harder and harder because, you know, now that we've, we've lost a voice, I thought, you know, I thought with uh, President Trump that we had a voice, that we might be able to, to overcome some of these um, things that were thrown down, you know, pushed down our throats, and now we don't, even, we don't have that, so it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, you know, I think we still fight for it and fight ahead, you know, move ahead, but it's 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 going to get tougher and tougher. And and we're jabbed at little sides. Others kind of step up and, and, and the media and all this that, that are a voice against us. It's, it's really it makes it a lot harder. Oh, man, I, I don't even know how to handle it, because, look, I've never in my mind thought of being violent. <clears throat> I've never in my mind thought of doing things that would break the law. I've never in my mind thought of <clears throat> being against my government. I stand for the proper role of constitutional government. I stand for the rule of law. I'm the one that stands for peaceful restoration, rejecting revolution at every turn possible. Okay, I believe in the checks and balances, but man, I'm the bad guy because I don't trust the elections. And um, you know what? Joe Biden's the good guy because he's going to now legislate from the Oval Office. And I just look at that and I go, man, something is just sideways here. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's why you know we're pushed, we're tossed, we're turned. We're there's so much chaos that uh, you know our you know we just need to declutter, and it's awfully hard when 
when we don't have a voice, we can't really say anything. We just have to kind of get in line with everybody else, I guess. Uh, yeah. But you're doing a great job. I think that we need more of that. All right. I don't know if you remember the Whitmer plot. So you remember this Governor Whitmer that's kind of out of control, right? Yeah. And what happened was, I guess these people were trying to commit a citizen's arrest on this uh, governor because she's violating the Constitution. And that's legal to do so, by the way. But now one of them, I guess, is going to rat out the others. Man pleads guilty in Whitmer. Kidnap plot. So now they're saying it's a kidnapping plot rather than an attempt for a citizen's arrest. Uh, and now what's happening is one guy's turning on his buddies. And now what that means is I just think the government's got to them. I look at the Ammon Bundy cases and the few people that basically caved did a real disservice. And they're the ones in trouble. And I just think they put so much pressure on people they can't. We can't even have the truth anymore, Brian. Right. Well, that's it. They, they, you, know, you know, they've got their, yeah, they've just twisted our whole society. You know, the left is, you know, just twists our whole society and those in, in, involved in it. And it, it's just making it really hard for us to accomplish. And then they, you know, they, they that's what they do. They don't, they have us fight against each other and, and, uh, you know, it, it just gets worse. But uh, we just need to call upon our God and, and live our the commandments and, and get back to those basics and have faith and <laughs> be positive, right? Yeah. All right. This is NASDAQ. You know the stock exchange guys? Yeah. Now they're pushing for companies to be required to have at least two what they call diverse board directors. Um, the exchange would require listed companies, so listen carefully, the exchange would require listed companies. So if you're going to be a company listed on the NASDAQ, here's what they want to make you do. Ready? They want you to have at least one woman and what they call one person who identifies as either an underrepresented minority or as a gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender on their boards. That's yeah. according to the Wall Street Journal. Wow. Now, I look at that, Brian, and I just think, so wait a minute. <laughs> I can't even pick who I want for my board of directors now if I'm a company listed on the NASDAQ. Yeah. Or NASDAQ, what, as they say. That's right. Another one one more big brother in there trying to enforce their agenda. Hang yeah. tight. Brian Russ. RussQuinnandGift.com in seconds. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, former Hawaii rep Tulsi Gabbard announced she's doing a new podcast. And the podcast will be called This Is Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, according to an announcement on her website, she's going to talk about all kind of things. And I don't agree with her on everything, but she's been doing a better job than most in the Democratic Party. I'll tell you that right now. Anyway, kind of interesting. Everybody's getting into podcasting, Brian. Yeah. They want to be like us, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm not very good at podcasting, but you're you're doing a great job. <laughs> hey, man, you're fantastic at it, uh, when when you talk about uh, honest money and those kind of things. I'll tell you what else is interesting. You know, Kirk Crosby came up with a liner that I think is really interesting today. Everybody's talking. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that's right. You know, and I really I, I really think that's true in America. And I think that when we cease to talk and we start to spiral down into our own kind of viewpoints and world, we're in trouble. So you know what? I'm glad everybody's talking, even if we disagree. We can do so decently and agreeably. Richard Mack and I are putting together a website, a acallforcivility.com. What do you think of that? Yeah, I like it. That's just how radical we're getting, buddy. Yeah, you know what I'm talking right. about? Right. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to report this news. Okay, I just don't know how to report this, so I'm just going to have to just let it rip, Ryan, and I want your response. You ready? Yeah. You've heard of the nose test for the cocoa, right? Yeah. And they're horrible. They shove it up your nose and it feels like they're piercing your brain. And you've heard that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's going to get worse, buddy. Here's what the Chinese are coming up with now. Are you ready? Yeah. Some doctors in China are using anal swabs for coronavirus detection <laughs> now. They claim it'll help avoid misdiagnosis, my friend. Yeah. Now, can, do you know how to respond to this? I, I don't really know how to respond to this, really. Well, you know, may, maybe it's a, maybe you get a, along with that test, you get a colonoscopy at the same time. Oh. Maybe, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe oh that's, man. Maybe it's two for one. Colonoscopy and a cocoa all at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of like your vaccines. You get the three in one. The, yeah, that's right. A diphtheria and what a DPT and whatever protose whatever and you know you yeah. get it all at once. You know. Oh, wow. All I'm telling you is I just don't know how to handle this, though, Brian. What what are they going to go to next? Every time I think they've just gone as far as they can go, they do something, I just go, <laughs> Yeah. Well, didn't they, uh, haven't they been testing uh, the sewers? Haven't they been doing that anyway? Yeah. So maybe. But well, now testing your flushes won't work, buddy. Oh. Got to get a little closer. 
<laughs> Got to get a little closer there, Brian. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to report this kind of stuff with a straight face. I'm not saying that it can't detect these things or whatever, but I'm just saying how far are we willing to violate people's privacy? Pretty soon it's like you're going to be forced to do an anal swab to make sure you don't have the cocoa? Yeah, maybe it's one of those, the maker of these people that make these rubber gloves, maybe they're pushing for that right there so they they can sell more of their product. I, I don't know. So I'm thinking I want to start the Swab Me Not campaign. Can I do that? Yeah, that's right. Can I do that, Brian? Yeah, maybe we just can. If our name's on that list, we might we, we can avoid going that route. I mean, I just look at that and I just go, oh, my goodness, what's next? <laughs> that's right. I, they claim it'll help avoid misdiagnosis, buddy. So let me ask you another question because I'm kind of dumb about the news. When they have these headlines, does that mean, listen carefully, if they want to use an anal swab because they got to because they need to avoid the misdiagnosis, is that telling me the current things that they've been doing where they tell you that, you know, 15 million Americans or whatever uh, have had the test and this number and that number is true? If they need to go to the anal swab to avoid the misdiagnosis, Brian, aren't they makes literally you, saying the numbers aren't trustworthy? Are, are they yeah. saying that? Makes you think that. Makes you think that, okay, well, now we got something else thrown in here that raises questions about what's going on over here. So, yeah. But I, just, it, I, I think. I think that's kind of part of this this whole agenda is that kind of thing. They don't want to give you enough time to really think about this because then something else pops up, and now we we should be going this route. And then some, it, it's really about really cluttering up our brains and our lives and so on. So there's so much going on, and, and perhaps at that point we don't think of, you know, it, it takes us off really of our focus and where we need to attend to that focus, and, and then we're slowly led to hell because we're, we're, we're so cluttered up we can't focus enough to – and then they get us. They kind of got us in the point. Now we're here, and now we're going down right. even farther. Whatever. So listen yeah. to this. Are you ready? They say we have 25,599,000 tests done across the country. And they're telling me we need to move to an anal swab because you know what? We don't want misdiagnosis going on. Are they that? Um, what? Do they have that much lack of confidence in what they've now been just telling us after 25 million? Shove this thing up your nose, make your eyes water, make you panic, and then they're like, hey, now I've got to go for the other end because it might not be reliable there. Right. What? Yeah. And they no, say that's... 429,000 people dead. Forty-nine or 429,211 <clears throat> people. And I look at that, Brian, and I just go, man... <clears throat> And now they're going to literally tell me that they're just not sure if it's reliable. Got to avoid the misdiagnosis going on, you know. Well, they're probably going to blame it on Trump too. I mean, he should he did he misdiagnosed early enough to where it's all his fault, COVID anyway. But uh, now it's yeah. Now in Utah, three hundred and forty thousand six hundred eighty-four have been tested positive. And I look at that number and I say, what percent of Utah is that? You know, twelve percent, something like that. Right. 340,000, 3.4 million, it would be 10%, right? So it's more than 10%, but it's not quite 15. You follow me? Yeah. And they say there's about 1,620 people dead because of it. But if I can't trust the numbers now, I don't want any misdiagnosis going on. Right. Maybe they need to dig all those dead people up and do the um, swab, you know? That's right. I don't mean to mock this, folks. No, that's right. What I am saying is this is serious. 
and don't run around and test 25 million people in the United States. And I don't know how much each test costs, Brian. We wouldn't even go there. Uh, But then tell me that, man, we got to avoid misdiagnosis now. I'm just telling you, to me, that doesn't work. That's it. It's not funny. And I don't mean to mock it. I, I don't mean to be just, um, uh, you know, be salacious or whatever you want to say, crude about it or anything like that or unprofessional. I'm just saying, though, that, man, this really isn't funny. All right, Sarah Sanders. She was like the press secretary for the Donald for a while and everything else. Did a great job in the administration. Uh, she's the daughter of what, Huckabee? Right? Mike Huckabee, mm-hmm. pastor, preacher. Uh, right. Former governor of Arkansas, et cetera, right? Now she announces her bid for the governor of Arkansas. Oh. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking she ought to run for office, and I think you ought to run for office too, Brian. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be any good. Come on, man. You can go up there and <laughs> Kurt will help you. Yeah, Kurt, I, I'll, need, I'll need a lot of help. So if you can all, uh, <laughs> you can write my speeches and my... Uh, what I need, and yeah, Kirk can. <laughs> That's right. I was just uh, thinking you ought to run for office, though, man. You'd be great. Yeah, well, I know I, that might not happen. <laughs> that might not happen. Listen to this. All right, listen, the State Department is kind of in you trouble. You should be running. You should be running. You oh, would not do very chance. well. No way. You I would gotta, be awesome. i got to be on the outside, man. If I stand up, they'll just freak on me in about two seconds and say, you're no, just but an you, extreme you could answer. You've got that quick. You could come back to them and say, look, you know, and I, it would, it would, it would go far, I'm telling you. I'll tell you, if I ran, here's what I'd say. I am your no anal swab candidate, people. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I'm going to go on record and just be, I'm just going to double down on this one, people. No, That's no, right. no. No Lotokas, no, no touchy. <laughs> right. Hey, man, you know, that's. <laughs> All right, now. That might work. The State Department's kind of in trouble. I guess they're now reporting that the Wuhan Lab researchers, that's the people in China, right, may have had cocoa in the fall of 2019. Secret projects with China military uh, conducted at Virology Institute is kind of where the details come from or whatever. Now they're saying, hey, the Chinese folks might have had coronavirus back last fall. Every time we hear about it, we get more intel that it was earlier than we were told, earlier than we right. were told, earlier than, and now uh, we're do- dovetail that knowledge that it's earlier and earlier with now this lab, and you kind of go, is this thing man-made, Brian? And you can't help but come to that conclusion. That's right. Because normally when a virus attenuates or, or goes through society, it gets weaker. But every new strain seems to be stronger. Yeah. And you go, what's up with that, Brian? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think a lot of people have felt that way, and and uh, you know, you know, things are starting to pop up. And maybe agree with that uh, theory. So I agree. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. It's weird stuff. Now, Brian, I know you own a lot of land. I know you're a big old land mogul. Kanosh, down in Kanosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're across the country, Kanosh is a teeny town in the middle of nowhere in Utah. Okay, that's right. It's almost <laughs> as bad as Ibapaw, but not quite. All right, now listen to this though. Bill Gates is now America's biggest farm land owner, and he's the fourth richest person in the world. He owns an estimated, guess how many acres? Millions. 242,000 acres. Oh. 
of farmland. That's analysis of the the land report discovered or whatever. Now, so there you have that. You're, you you got to work on getting some more land, Brian. You keep up with Bill. That's right. That's exactly right. Got to get my hands on some more land. Wow. Raise my own crops and raise my own beef. Yeah, man, Brian, I'll just be a survivalist. Yeah, that's right. Got my gold, got my silver, and I got my food. You can do greenhouses, Brian. There we go. Yeah, I need to get some more land. Greenhouses, Sorry. I think, are where it's at, aren't it, Brian? Yeah. Especially yeah. if you live out in a cold area like us. It's freezing cold outside. But, buddy, you can just walk into your greenhouse and put on your Hawaiian shirt, can't you? Yeah, and enjoy the palm trees that are kind of on the outskirts of that or just in the, you know. Brian would be like, come on in, baby, take your coat off. <laughs> That's right. Put your feet up. <laughs> I got a little honey in my uh, cocoa Be- Virgin and- pina coladas, and we're good to yeah, go. There- come on. <laughs> That's right. All right, Brian. We sure appreciate you, sir. Gold and silver, what's the best thing for me to get right now? Uh, I'd be buying silver. I mean, the, the demand is huge on Can't that. Can't I give me a gold piece with Biden's face on it? Come on. Uh, that's probably coming. You know, usually they don't they don't create a coin until you're dead. But maybe he'd be the first to say, you know what, we're going to change that law. He could just do it by executive order there, but he could just legislate, buddy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Me and Second Jawaya are on the coins. <laughs> that's right. You know. Uh, All right. Do they have the 2021 <laughs> Silver Eagles out now? They're out. Yeah. Are they beautiful? Yeah, they're nice. They're nice looking coins. How much does it take me to get one of them? Uh, they're still about thirty two dollars and seventy five cents. But if I get a 2015 one, is it cheaper? A dollar. A dollar oh. cheaper. Can't. That's not worth a dollar. Not what I mean not. is it's better to get the latest, greatest ones, isn't it? Well, I, I you cost. So, I, you know, if I, I go through those early ones probably a lot quicker just simply because it, it's cheaper. So, yeah. Understood, my friend. Yep. All right, Godspeed. Yep. We sure appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, you bet. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Brian Russ, RussQuinnandGift.com, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, if you want an honest partner... In the coin business, and you want to know what's going on, and you want somebody to lead you right, Brian Rust will get it done. RustQuinnandGift.com, our dear friends. All right, hour one in the can, hour two coming up. I got Pete Sepp with me, National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. Let's see if we're, what's going to happen under Biden. What what will be the Pete, what, prognosis? All right, we'll let you know in seconds. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore America. Will you please help? God save the Republic. We declare this nation shall endure. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow American Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news, the network refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for January 28th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. I got our buddy Pete Sepp with us, president of the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, with us. Welcome back, sir. 
great to be here. Now, I got to ask you a question, Pete, before we get going. And I don't really know how to handle this. Answer any way you want. I'm not trying to put you in a bind. But I just don't understand what I heard at the top of the news. Okay, and I want to just get your kind of opinion on this. Here's the soundbite. I'm going to play two different soundbites from two different hours. Here's the first one. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Rich Thomason. With the stroke of a pen, President Biden is, in effect, making laws that will impact the lives of countless Americans. Mr. Biden signs more executive orders today. These will deal with health care. All right. The president is literally making laws, the mainstream press news says. Now, this town hall news is the same as Salem Radio News. Okay? Okay. Now, here's the next soundbite. The nation's chief executive continues to legislate by signing a succession of executive orders. He continues to legislate. So now the mainstream press is openly saying that the so-called president of the United States is literally making laws from the Oval Office. And I, I don't know how to say this, but you know what? It seems to me like this is flat-out criminal activity from the Oval Office. He doesn't have authority to do that at all. He's not even in the right branch of government. And we've had these horizontal and vertical separations of powers for a couple of hundred years, and never in my life have I blatantly heard the mainstream press say, hey, <clears throat> the president is making laws and legislating uh, right now. And when he came into office, there was a flurry of legislative executive orders as well. And they're blatantly telling you the executive branch is legislating, and no one seems to be calling him out on it but me. Pete, what do you think? Well, it does seem to be a change in rhetoric from the mainstream media. Now, you and I have known, Sam, that the reality for quite a long time has been that the executive branch has taken a lot of powers unto itself. I think we saw an acceleration there under George W. Bush post 9-11 with uh, all kinds of extraordinary powers being invoked for national security reasons. Well, you know, that's traditionally been uh, a an area where a president tries to invoke that power. But then President Obama took it uh, to a higher degree, basically saying, if Congress won't cooperate with my agenda, then I'm going to use a phone and a pen to do what I have to do. And, and I'm not here then, to attract Trump or attack Trump, but he did a lot of the same thing. Yes, yes, exactly. And so this is really the culmination of a problem that's been building up for quite a number of years. And our Constitution very carefully defined, especially in fiscal policy, which is the area I focus on, of who does what among the branches of government. And I can tell you uh, those original arrangements that the Founding Fathers envisioned have been badly mangled. And it's going to be very difficult to restore the balance of power between the three branches of government for fiscal policy in the near term. It's going to take a long time. But I think they've crossed the line when they you know, blatantly refer to the president as making law. Yes. He's legislating from the bench. We've gone to another level. I'm not justifying what happened in the past. You're right. It's been going on for a long time, but this is a new level. And let me tell you why I start out this way. I'm not trying to 
you know, get you to call President you know, Biden a criminal or anything like that, even though I'm willing to, because I just think you don't have authority. It's criminal activity. You can't be doing that. Someone's got to stop him. Uh, the party that would do it, in my opinion, is Congress. Yeah. Okay. But nevertheless, um, I bring this up because there's an article on your website, NTU.org, written by Thomas Aiello. And it's a great article, but here's what it says. Biden targets American energy workers with latest executive order. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, Jobs are at stake here. And you know what? This president is affecting everyone with these sweeping lawmaking executive orders like we have never seen, sir. Never. Yeah, they are huge. And when you think, for example, that one part of his executive orders relating to energy have effectively reversed and canceled again the Keystone XL pipeline project. I mean, that's been a topic of several of our interviews going back 10 years. Yeah, for sure. Here we are. Here we are thinking that the project has finally gone forward and the various challenges have been settled and people are on the job delivering energy between uh, the United States and Canada in a more efficient manner. And with the stroke of a pen, it stopped again. And uh, the incredible part of this is that's a comparatively mild executive action when you look at what might be down the road and what was very recently issued when it came to the so-called pause on leasing oil and gas exploration on federal lands. Again, sounds complicated, but taxpayers have a huge stake here. Uh, The Congressional Budget Office noted um, that the period between 2014 and 2023 uh, the federal government would see something like $127 billion, with a B, dollars in revenues from those leases on federal lands. Well, if you pause them and you initiate a review process for the ones that have already been approved, what's going to happen to that revenue stream? Well, it's going to dry up, and that means the federal deficit is going to get even worse than it already is. I almost don't know how to respond because when you say that it's mild compared to what could come, I I can't disagree, but I don't know how to respond to that, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, it's very dangerous. And, you know, what we have to watch out for as taxpayers are the little things that appear innocuous but are actually sweeping changes. You know, when you think, for example, about the alterations at the Office of Management and Budget, the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs within OMB. That's the agency that's often responsible for doing what are called cost-benefit analyses of government rules and policies that get issued. Well, President Trump's administration did a lot of good in that area in introducing good, sound, econometric techniques for weighing costs and benefits of federal rulemakings. The Biden administration intends to sweep all of that away where the benefits are the things that get touted and the costs are the things that get ignored. That's not science. That is not the science of economics. In, and fact, in fact, if you talk about the you know one side without the other sides, in other words, benefits but no responsibilities or no obligations or, or whatever else, at some point it just turns into fake news. Yeah, that's right, because it, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, 
we need to consider what's called the social cost of carbon. That was something that the Obama administration developed in weighing and justifying these sweeping regulations uh, imposed on carbon emissions and and that uh, clean power plan that the administration came up with. Well, if you want to weigh those costs uh, such as they are, fine, but they need to be based in sound analysis. You can't just say, oh, um, clean air for the next thousand years will uh, be worth 20, 30, 50 trillion dollars. Well, show us your numbers. Show us your logic and your reasoning. Again, an administration coming in under Joe Biden saying we're going to be ruled by science and logic and facts and data. Well, if you suddenly destroy the very process in rulemaking that allows those facts and science and the data to come through, um, you're doing something worse than you're accusing President Trump of ever having done. Amen to that. Now, Thomas um, has written really some great articles, Thomas Aiello. The second article that he wrote, President Biden's decision, and you've hinted at this, but I want to just let people know there's an article up there on NTU.org that you can read. Um, it says this, President Biden's decision to end the Keystone Pipeline or XL pipeline harms American workers. Uh, yeah. Thomas is right about this too. Uh, and you know what? I think that we're going to go back if we're not very careful to the energy dark ages. I appreciate the new energy efforts and the education uh, about the harm being done to some degree. And okay, I'm going to be honest about that. I understand that and appreciate it, but you know what? We don't derive enough of our energy from these new energy sources, sources at all to jettison, um, the tried and true so early. We're not even close, if you're honest about it, scientific about it, Pete. We're not even close. Well, in many instances, yes. And the advancements that have been made are almost exclusively private sector developments. Folks like Elon Musk, who keep trying, sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding, to do things like develop good batteries that can store solar energy. That's coming from the private sector, not the public sector. And that's where we're going to get the kind of innovation people want. Hang tight. Pete Sepp with us, ladies and gentlemen. we got a lot to cover. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Pete Sepp, president of National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, on your radio. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans, who are they? Democrats, who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches. 
in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Pete Sepp with us, National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. And we're talking about Joe Biden. He'll sign a series of new executive orders today that will put a national security focus on climate change, they say. That's of great concern. He's flat out legislating from the bench. Incoming energy head should focus on free markets, not on Green New Deal, Pete. This is an important one. Yeah, it certainly is, because if we don't get the tone of policymaking in the executive branch right from the beginning, we're going to have constant streams of executive orders that will usurp Congress's authority to legislate in this area, as you said, from the beginning of this program uh, and our interview together, media is now using the term, the president is legislating. Uh, (laughs) That's not just a threat, uh, it's a reality. And we need to be sure that Congress is speaking up with a voice about these things. Uh, The voice is not always a good one. Uh, You have a significant contingent in the House of Representatives as well as the Senate who think the so-called Green New Deal, with all of its taxes and spending, is a great idea. And we now have the nominee for Energy Secretary, uh, Jennifer Granholm, a former uh, governor of Michigan, uh, who will be in charge of uh, much of the administration's energy policy if she's confirmed as the nominee. Well, making climate change a national security priority also invokes a lot of the executive powers that past presidents have been building up and uh, setting uh, historical precedents for. And so uh, with Jennifer Granholm, again, assuming she's confirmed on Joe Biden's team, she will have a number of powers at her disposal, either directly or through the White House with executive orders that most other energy secretaries have never had. And this could take the form, too, of imposing more energy conservation standards that are so hard to meet, they effectively wipe out entire products and services. They might make oil uh, use almost so expensive that it's impossible uh, anywhere. Think about some of the executive orders that have come out of the state of California by their governor mandating that all new vehicles sold 
in the in uh, their uh, state confines by uh, 2030, I believe, um, have to be um, electric or hybrid powered. I mean, these are the types of things that on the national level, a president and an energy secretary and a transportation secretary could try to mandate. That's how you could implement parts of the Green New Deal without Congress ever having passed a single piece of legislation. And this just becomes a downstream reality of what I'm pointing out. When the president does this by executive order, and then when the uh, department heads do this by, quote, regulation or regulatory implementation or whatever else you want to call it, pretty soon there's not even a legislative body involved in anything we're doing from a law and a regulatory point of view. And at some point you become very concerned and say, you know what? How many of these executive orders slash regulatory implementations that have simply circumvented Congress, how many of those are really law? To me, it's pretend legislation. It's the color of law. And and I don't mean to go too far down this road except to say we can't have this, Pete. And if we don't speak up now, you know what? Heaven help us uh, later. Yes, and we're going to have to bring the third branch of government in on this conversation if we're going to make sure that the other two branches are within their proper constitutional limits of the exercise of power. There's a doctrine at the judicial level called Chevron deference because it's uh, named after a case involving the Chevron Energy Company regarding how far federal regulations can go in interpreting congressional law. Well, the fact that it's... Well, and now it would be, though, interpreting executive yeah. law. See what I mean? Yeah. We're now yeah. ten a thousandfold further from the intent and what that case was about, right? That's right. And and the problem is unless we can enlist the judicial branch in saying, wait a minute, this Chevron deference has gone way, way, way too far. There has to be limits. There has to be a division of power between Congress and the executive here we're going to have a much harder time making our case for those limits. And so that's one reason why our research arm has formed a a group called the Taxpayer Defense Center. It's a public interest litigation arm that's actually working to try and reverse some of these precedents and restore balance of power, the constitutional framework in which our government was originally conceived. Uh, this Chevron deference business is going to be uh, litigated in any of a number of forms. And in fact, uh, the uh, deference to the IRS's own regulatory authority with tax policy is getting tested in a number of cases right now called CIC services and Oak Brook uh, cases. Uh, these are all cases in which our center is filing friend of the court briefs. If we can get good rulings there, we can start to push back against this encroachment uh, of power and abuse of power. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Pete Sepp speaking out boldly in defense of the checks and balances that make America great, ladies and gentlemen. These are not just uh, discussions of hyperbole. These are not discussions of... Uh, you know, we just don't like uh, Joe or whatever. You know what? We've been concerned about this for a long time. We've highlighted this over the years. But in my opinion, it, it has gone to a new level. Um, I'll give you an example. Now, uh, 
Trump Biden by American policies. Costly for taxpayers. Brian Riley brings this one up. And what you're seeing now is there you're just having these presidents manipulate all of trade. Uh, and you know what? I support tariffs at the borders and everything else, but this idea that we're going to buy American, um, you know what? They've literally for 40, 50 years now um, literally rewarded companies for jettisoning domestic operations or U.S. operations and going overseas. In fact, it's so bad now that where if you have millions of dollars outside of America, you can't even bring your money back without massive tax abuses to the point where companies are just not willing to even bring their money to the United States anymore. And I look at this and I go, now, you know what, they're talking about by America, and I appreciate terrorists at the borders. That's going to help. Uh, you got to create a level playing field and honor contracts. I get it. That's the, there is a responsibility there. But at the same time, how do you then uh, you know, tell companies, we want you to buy American and make American, and we're going to have the government only look at American products first and all this kind of stuff, when you've literally created a, an opposite approach for decades? There's not even the infrastructure to start a company and make American goods right now. I can't even get the raw materials. I can't even get the, the, the proper um, uh, equipment to manufacture or to, to whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and I can't get the labor because the prices are just sky out of the, out of the stratosphere. I mean, they're talking about 15 bucks an hour. And we've got to compare that against people that get a bowl of rice a day. Now, I don't mean to mock those people. I'm just kind of giving the comparison of reality. You're talking about two different societies with expectations of living standards that are drastically different. You're talking about one nation that has rules and laws and regulations up the wazoo and then other nations that have none. You can't just walk around and go, oh, buy American now, Pete. Yeah, that's right. That's that's sort of closing the gate after a, a whole herd of bulls or cattle or whatever animals you want to say uh, have, have left uh, the stockade. You know, you, you enumerated so many of the policies that have gotten us to this point, you know, uh, and we were. And, just and I'm not against buying American. I'm 100 percent for it. I'm just saying it's a disingenuous yeah. statement, to say the least. In fact, it's it's the most fake news idea that we can buy American that I've ever heard. Companies cannot even make American. They can't. And how do I know? Because I import products from China, just so you know. And I yeah. work I work for companies for my day job as an IT consultant and everything else. I'm on their boards because IT's on everybody's board these days. You have to be. And I watch the importers. And I we have literally I was assigned a project to try to take Chinese manufacturing and bring it to the United States and I couldn't get it done. And then I tried to bring it to Mexico and I couldn't get it done. And primarily the reason that I couldn't get it done, not only is there a wage disparity that's beyond description, but I can't even get the raw materials that I need to build the products we're talking about. The the infrastructure's not there to even stage the material that you need it's not even doable pete yes and and of course this brings us back to the discussion we had at the beginning what's going to happen to those raw materials if by executive order president biden essentially locks out access to them in the united states he says to his epa no more permits for mining or leasing gas or oil none of that well there go your raw materials. You yes, kind of like COVID. We're going to sacrifice the whole economy on this idea that you got to keep everybody safe. They're going to do the same thing and create shortages with regards to global warming or climate change. Where does that lead us? Quick pause. Pete Sepp, we got a whole lot more. National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Austin police are reporting the Austin standoff suspect was recently diagnosed with terminal cancer and had only weeks to live. 43-year-old Barat Naromanchi is accused of shooting and killing himself and another doctor inside an Austin, Texas medical center on Tuesday. Senator Tom Carper, the Democrat from Delaware, Wednesday introduced a bill at Amy making Washington, D.C. a state and full representation in Congress. The Washington, D.C. Admissions Act has received support from the Democrat Party, but Republicans say making D.C. a state would probably place two more Democrats in the Senate. The vote will need at least 60 votes in the upper chamber to pass or a simple majority if the filibuster is abolished. Bad news, fellow nerds. Despite computer chip manufacturer AMD's record-breaking 2020, it anticipates PS5, Xbox Series, XS, and PC chip shortages to last at least through the first half of 2021. USA Radio News. Could an ancient mystery be determining the events of our time? Could it reveal the secret of our future? Are recent events a warning that we are approaching judgment? How much time do we have left? Author Jonathan Kahn releases the book that reveals what could not be revealed until now. His newest New York Times bestseller, The Harbinger 2, The Return. Embark on an epic journey to uncover the mysteries and revelations that are changing the world and will change your life. Available online and wherever fine books are sold. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. You guys, your customer service and everything, you guys are great. And the commercials talk about it, but I don't know if it really gives it true justice. People need to know, this is maybe the most amazing product I've ever tried. It's so pure, it tastes so good, I'm just blown away by it. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code... USA. From making sandwiches in the movie Bad Santa to a fan favorite on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Hollywood has the sad face today. USA Radio News' Dan Naraki has more. Academy Award-winning actress Cloris Leachman has died. Leachman won eight Emmy Awards for her work on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 1971 for her role in The Last Picture Show. Leachman continued to act into her 90s and appeared on Dancing with the Stars at age 82. Director Mel Brooks paid tribute to Leachman, who starred in three of his movies, on Twitter calling her insanely talented, someone who could make you laugh or cry at the drop of a hat. In a statement, her manager says she passed away at her California home of natural causes. Leachman was 94. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. The Oscars in 1972. Remember when Ben Johnson said in the last picture show, I fought all my life against whatever he said. I fought all my life against cliches, and look at me, I'm a hopeless cliche. USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, you heard at the bottom of the hour, it's hopeless. I disagree. I'm full of hope, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of trouble in America. I get it. There's also a lot of wonderful people doing a lot of wonderful things. The sad part is of the mainstream press, you just don't get to hear about it. One of the groups doing a marvelous work and a wonder in America today is Pete Sepp and others at the National Taxpayers Union. Pete is the president and with us now, and we're making a big difference. And You know what? I don't think we can buy American right now. I think it's fake news to even suggest that we can in a mockery of what they've done for the last many, 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 many decades. I do think we can buy American eventually if we were to truly put the right policies in place though so don't misunderstand me i'm not saying it's never possible i'm just saying in the short term just a colloquialism or a phrase going buy american it's good is just a farce it's a lie it's fake news you can't even get it done 
if you're a company. And you know what? I'll, I'll debate that with anybody because I've been in the middle of it. I literally was commissioned to, to do a project to bring production back to America, and it is not possible to do. You will go under. Your labor and regulation will eat you alive. You can't get the materials. You can't get the manufacturing equipment hardly. Even if you get the equipment and it breaks down, you can't get it fixed or worked on, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. And, and so this is just disingenuous. And I say shame on these people for this. Buy Americans a good idea. But in the current environment, unless they make some massive regulatory reality changes, it's not even possible on a large scale, Pete. No, I, I would have to agree. And, and uh, I can't help but think, too, what other countries do when we enact policies like Buy America restrictions here. Well, they enact policies of their own, like Buy Japan, Buy China, Buy Germany, whatever country, fill in the blank. And suddenly we have a trade war going on that's costing taxpayers billions of dollars. In fact, there was a study recently showing that these kinds of restrictions actually cost U.S. taxpayers above $90 billion annually. That's because governments are paying way more for goods and services than they have to due to these restrictions requiring them to make these purchases. Think about almost anything. Uh, Pipelines in the United States, uh, services for computers, all of these kinds of things uh, federal, state, and local governments mostly are required to purchase unless there's absolutely no alternative but to go outside and get it uh, from U.S. Board, uh, outside U.S. borders. Well, fine. But again, as you say, we're so far away from having the tax and regulatory environment that people can actually have access to American goods and services across the board that they can buy. And, I'll give uh, you I'll give you the first step that needs to happen. Let people bring back their money. Yes. Okay, because if you don't have the money to fuel it inside the United States, it'll never even get started. So the first thing you do is bring back the money. Second thing you're going to have to do is jettison the minimum wage because you're going to have to say, look, let people compete. And if I'm a wife, I can work at a sewing factory for less money. Um, but I might be willing to. And all I'm telling you is you're going to have to start by by those things. Businesses need money to operate. If they can't even bring their money back to America, you think you're going to bring back the jobs, bring back the manufacturing, bring back the production, bring back the made in America? It's not even feasible if you can't even bring your money back. Yeah, that's right. And, and of course, people will say, well, didn't we enact this in the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, a so-called repatriation? Well, yes, we did, but then... This feeds back into this problem of executive branch power. Congress, in enacting that 2017 law, left huge parts to be essentially interpreted in the form of regulations by the executive branch. Many people don't realize this, but some of the most important rules and regulations surrounding international tax provisions, in other words, how companies with affiliates overseas are going to be taxed and operate. Some of those were only finalized a month ago. It's taken three years for some of those regulations to be put in place. Now, President Biden and his new Treasury Secretary are saying, well, maybe we're going to reverse some of them, when the proverbial link has hardly been dry on many of these regulations. 
you you consider that kind of environment, and then if you're a business owner, uh, especially with cash overseas, you would say, well, gosh, uh, I really appreciate what Congress enacted in the law, but we've spent the last three years trying to figure out how that law is actually going to operate, and now there's a new sheriff in town who may overturn parts of the law entirely. Why should I get that money I have parked overseas here? The climate is just too disrupted, too uncertain. And sadly, I think it's getting worse. Andrew Wilford writes a piece. It's available on NTU.org, and it says this. Post-Wayfair sales tax laws, no budgetary panacea for states. So here's what happened. There wasn't sales tax on the Internet for different states because it was a jurisdictional nightmare. And for years and years and years, they held out. Amazon got sued. Wayfair was the case. The bottom line is they said states can charge and can force businesses to charge. And then the debate went on that these states were going to get rich, and so they all went in on it. And they all created this fiasco scenario, and it's no panacea for states. Now it's so difficult for small business to manage. You've got to use certain tax systems like Avalara or some of these other systems, to even know what your obligations are. The rules are so complicated across the United States. All 50 states have different rules, different thresholds of when you're liable and responsible and when you're not, when you're obligated to collect and when you're not, and to the point where you can't even keep track of the rules to know what you're obligated for. So you got to hire a third party like Avalara or somebody to do it. And then your ability to comply uh, is almost impossible without one of these partners that have built these incredible automated software systems that can figure all that out and apply it for you in a meaningful way to the point where uh, these Avalar and third-party businesses are so expensive uh, for the most part that most businesses can't even get off the ground and comply, Pete. Yeah, and most businesses who are even thinking of expanding their footprint and allowing people in other states or other countries to have access to their goods and services say, wow, that's a lot of infrastructure to build. I just don't think I can handle it right now. And they don't. And a lot of opportunities that could be brought not only to consumers of the goods and services, but the owners of the businesses to build wealth and to pass that along to their families, those are lost. And in the meantime, The primary justification for doing this uh, was to raise more revenues for the states. They were saying, wow, there's so many sales going untaxed that businesses are getting away with something. So we're going to impose this nationwide network, essentially, that requires businesses located out of a state's borders to collect taxes for that state and remit them back. Well, it turns out that the revenues that they were hoping to get are not materializing. There's a group called the National Conference of State Legislatures. They had projected that by throwing this giant network of taxation onto the United States so that e-commerce would be taxed back and forth, they could gain a total of about $19 billion in uh, these so-called economic nexus taxes. Well, uh, the, the results are in, and the total amount of revenue that they're getting is more like $3.6 billion, less than one-fifth of what they were hoping to get. 
out of this whole scheme. And I can tell you $3.6 billion is probably dwarfed by the costs of complying with this regime that businesses are having to shoulder and all the lost economic opportunities that have resulted from this tax net. And $3.6 billion, to put that into perspective, it's less than 0.7% of all the general fund revenues of the states. For this tiny gain, they have thrown parts of our economy into chaos. Now, this term they put together for this is called nexus. And what nexus is supposed to do is make you feel good that these states are kind of agreeing to some general standard of behavior to where you uh, can comply a lot easier. But what they're really doing is deceiving you by agreeing to make things simple across state lines now. There's no telling that that will be the case in the future, by the way, because they can make up their own rules. But uh, Nexus would say, hey, we'll give you a standard way that you can basically uh, you know, figure out what you owe and you can remit in meaningful ways. And if you start remitting all of your transactions early, we'll kind of let you slide. And they've created this kind of quid pro quo deal uh, here that at first glance seems like it's a blessing. But I'm telling you right now, it could come back to haunt every business if they choose to get kind of, um, I don't know, regulatory happy or they choose to change the game midstream. You got 50 plus municipalities across the states, but then you've got 3,000 counties, ladies and gentlemen, and they're all different. Let's talk about it with Pete Sepp in a second. You think it's regulatorily bad now? (laughs) You just wait. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The calm before the storm by a friend of Megagoria. The strategy of heaven revealed big q little q the calm before the storm available on amazon.com or by calling caritas in the u.s at 205-672-2000 the foundation for moral law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org.
well-meaning politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. So I submit to you that it's a regulatory nightmare already, but they're kind of under the guise of making you believe they've got these uniform plans across the country that will never change and your business is stable. And the sooner you embrace this, um, the better off it'll be for you. I'm not so convinced. And I think that you've got a regulatory nightmare now like you can't imagine, but I think it'll get way worse. Am I being overly negative, Pete, or am I being fair about, you know what, uh, you never know what they're going to do, and you can't trust them uh, that that they won't, when, when you've given them an inch, that they won't take a mile. Am I too negative? Well, I'm afraid not. Uh, it's fortunate that we have remedies that we can pursue, such as through the Taxpayer Defense Center I mentioned earlier. But, you know, this whole phrase, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, Sam, and uh, uh, the phrase armchair quarterback, it applies here about what I'm going to say. But when you think about the uh, noise and the disorder of the initial years of the Trump administration, and you think, what could have happened there if some of the regulatory reforms that the Trump administration made in 2019 and 2020 had happened two years earlier at the beginning of his administration, I think we would be in much better shape today because so many of these executive uh, reforms that President Trump made to the regulatory process, setting up a petition and grievance process for people affected by enforcement actions, introducing that cost-benefit analysis more rigorously, as I mentioned earlier, those things would have had a couple of years to seep into and take root in the bureaucracy far more effectively than they have, because now yet you have a President Biden, and because now those roots have not grown deep enough, he can rip those out pretty easily and simply restore an Obama-era regulatory regime, and in fact, an Obama-era regime on steroids that's going to cause a lot of trouble, and it's going to require a lot of work to push back against. And let me tell you why I say it's going to get worse. This headline really says it all from uh, Andrew Wilford at NTU.org, ladies and gentlemen. But here's what he says. Post-Wayfair tax sale, in other words, this was all based on a lawsuit where governments sued Amazon and won, basically. And Amazon, you're forced now to comply with all these states, and you're going to have to remit taxes everywhere and all that, Okay. So the government beat the businessman, if you will. But then here's the next part of the headline that really tells the tale. No budgetary panacea for states. Andrew Wilford. Now, here's the, what's going to happen. So the states are going to be fine at first. They're going to be gentle at first. But then when they find out that it's not a windfall of cash, and then the COVID and cocoa and everything else starts to take a toll, they're going to come back and change the game. They're going to say, we need to tax you harder. We need to change this. You know what? I know we have Nexus, but we're going to do that. And uh, what I mean is you've got 3,000 counties. You've got 50 states. You've got, okay, regulatory jurisdictional nightmare going on. And I'm telling you right now how many of those people won't be drunk seeking for more power. Okay, I'm telling you that this will, this piece kind of a wayfair, we're glad we're getting along. Let's make it all uniform and simple. That isn't going to last, Pete. And to say that it is, is almost ignorant of reality. 
Yeah, it's not going to last. And they will be looking under the proverbial couch cushions for revenues in this budgetary cycle much, much harder than they were in 2020. I mean, that's the thing we also have to bear in mind, the fiscal year schedule of governments. Uh, Some of them have their fiscal year beginning in October, others in July, but their budgetary cycles and their planning cycles for responding to COVID uh, have only recently begun in some jurisdictions. They've been living off revenue collections and projections that occurred before COVID. They've responded somewhat to changing conditions, but this is the first full budgetary cycle where they're making plans for long-term replacement of revenues that they think they've lost. And those proposals aren't pretty. We are already seeing in a number of states whose legislatures have convened new nickel-and-dime taxes on uh, so-called uh, sinful products um, like like tobacco or vaping. We're seeing even going out taxes. to eat and hotels have become kind of a sinful product in the sense that it's kind of a what travel tax or a, I, don't, I don't know what you call yeah. it, but even it, it's not really sinful per se, but it's kind of taxed the same way as you know, Pete, you're doing pretty well, buddy. If you're traveling, aren't you, my friend? Yeah, I did, right. right? That's right. And of course, you're going to see a whole bunch of gas tax proposals because politicians are saying, well, nobody's driving much anymore, right? Uh, at least not right now. So nobody's going to. Uh, walk over a dime uh, a gallon of gas you're using less anyway don't worry about it well do worry about it that's going to set up a bad situation and besides all the businesses that are delivering goods to people in the middle of a pandemic are going to have to shell out more and that's going to have a ripple effect on consumers and the profitability of these small businesses their ability to actually keep going during very tough times so There is no such thing as a pain-free tax increase. Somebody suffers. It's just the degree. It's just the amount. It's a question of where, when, and who. And more times than not, it's not even the dime of increased taxes we're talking about that's the problem. Oftentimes, it's the regulatory reality of compliance that becomes so abusive and burdensome to the point where, okay, for example, the IRS, just an easy example to focus on. It's not even so much that i got to pay the IRS their portion that's horrible, although that's bad enough. It's that I've got to keep track of all my paperwork, and it's that i got to swear under penalty of perjury that it's right, and it's that i got to, and it goes on, and when you look at it, I mean, how many hours is spent on the average business filing and complying and making sure that their I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And even when they comply to the best of their ability, they walk around with a cloud over their head and literal fear going, I hope they get somebody else, not me, by golly. I've done the best I can. But yet, you know, you're afraid that they're going to come down on you like a ton of bread. Oh, boy, there's something in the mail. Holy crap. What? Okay, this shouldn't be. And, and so oftentimes it's not even so much the tax we're talking about that they're willing to admit to. It's all the other, Pete. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, every year we conduct an analysis of the cost of complying with the tax system, which is a burden in and of itself. It can amount to over $300 billion annually. And uh, that's the federal tax system alone. 
uh, we calculated, and this has been a figure that's held pretty much constant year after year, that a small business owner faces a minimum of about 80 hours, or I'm sorry, um, uh, yes, uh, an 80-hour paperwork burden for the very simplest of forms if you're a sole proprietor and you have to file with the IRS. Now, think about and, that. And what do you figure that, that 80 hours is worth in terms of dollars? What's the average hourly wage or something that you could apply to that? Any idea? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, for a small business owner, you, you could make a minimum of $30 an hour. All right, so $30 that. an hour times 80 hours, folks. $2,400 just to comply. Yes, and that's just the federal income tax, not the payroll tax, not your state and local tax. And when you start adding those in, you recognize this is why small business owners can't ever even take a vacation. They're spending so much time and effort just complying with the tax system, and then you widen it to regulations, everything from uh, workplace rules to environmental rules, if your business is involved in those kinds of things. And it probably is. I mean, even a restaurant has all kinds of environmental disposal rules it has to follow. Wow. I don't even know how to respond, but let's end on this story if we can, Pete. Headline says, Closing the Digital Divide. Requires data-driven results. Will Yepes uh, is the author uh, on your website, ntu.org. But I end on this because if we're going to move forward into a new economy, I mean, we can talk about manufacturing and all that stuff is necessary. But this digital divide and working from home and everything else is front and center, sir. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, of course, underpinning all of this is what's called restoring Internet freedom order. That was... uh, imposed in 2018. And uh, what that basically says is that uh, the Internet will not be regulated like a public utility would, uh, like, I don't know, an electric or gas company would. And because we have not had that kind of heavy-handed regulation, investment in the Internet has grown. uh, Speeds over the Internet have grown faster. And The Biden administration has sent mixed signals about what they want to do, maybe return to the era of the Obama administration when they were trying to regulate it like a public utility. That's only going to worsen digital divide problems if they choose to take that kind of direction. And so that's job one, is ensuring that the new leadership at the Federal Communications Commission doesn't reverse course, that they stay the course and keep the light touch regulation on the Internet. When you start from there, a lot of other things can fall into place to ensure that we keep working on delivering fast Internet to more and more people in the country. And the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, we're not fighting for a slice of the same size pie. We can do things that make that pie bigger. And as we make that pie bigger, that's the key to us all getting a nice piece. Pete? Exactly. And... Doing that also avoids keeping government's thumb from getting too firmly embedded in that pie with heavy regulations or high taxes. One of the things that we were able to achieve was to make the Internet Tax Freedom Act permanent. 
Now, that doesn't stop all of these nonsense e-commerce taxes we were just discussing, but at least it prevents discriminatory taxes on your Internet service. And uh, that's a start, but we've got lots of other things to do. Again, preserving that restoring Internet freedom order, making sure that we don't have government-built networks competing with the private sector and spending tax dollars while they're doing it. That can happen at the federal level, even the state and local level. And President Trump's uh, officials came very close to sanctioning a government-built Internet on the federal level. Here's yeah, if we're not careful, all that does is just do ratchet up the prices across the board is what eventually happens. Yeah, exactly. And even if they pretend that they got a low price at point of sale, what it really means is you pay for the infrastructure separately and you don't even understand what it really costs at the end of the day. Pete, the good news, even with all this negative stuff we've been talking about, is that NTU, the National Taxpayers Union, is there working on this stuff, keeping an eye on it, doing their very best as a think tank to put forward ideas, partnering with people on the national level, on the state level, and on your very local, all the way down to the county level and more to your city level, helping you understand what's going on, providing you tools and tips and guidance and partnership so that you can get involved and make a difference. Pete Sepp, thank you so much, my friend. Always a pleasure. Godspeed, sir. He's been around with us, ladies and gentlemen, for a long time. And the amount of good Pete Sepp does is amazing. Pete Sepp and crew, NTU.org, get involved today. They are one of the premier organizations that put their money and their time and their efforts where their mouth is. I mean, I'm talking with their work. That's where the rubber meets the road. NTU.org, I'm Sam Bushman. God save the Republic of the United States of America. This nation shall in